This is how we do it. Boom, boom, boom. Nice. Did we just do our Notre already? <laughs> oh, we're so ready. <laughs> You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. All right, well, hello. Welcome, everyone, to the second part of the John Chi event. Uh, thank you all for coming. This is the introduction. <laughs> Yay! Hur- what? What do you mean, technically? Technically, yeah. Talking to your microphone like it. we're recording Sorry, a podcast. Oh, we are actually, uh, we actually recording? <laughs> Sorry. Goodness. It's like you've never done this before. Yeah, yeah, don't you count that? You're going to have to do that, that in post. Oh, yeah. Five, so there four, yeah, three... My fingers are moving. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, we are the John C. Show. My name is KJ. To my left is Nathan, and to his left is Patrick. Uh, we're three Korean American adoptees. We were spread out across the globe. Isn't that what we used to say? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, but uh, now we're we're a little closer less together, close or less far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Patrick, why do we call ourselves the John C. Show? Uh, we call ourselves the John Chi Show because John Chi in Korean means to feast. And uh, at the end of our episodes, we generally feast. What are you looking at? I was looking at the recording. Is it going? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we generally feast on a snack We're or something. We're very professional. But, <laughs> but we also like to bring the celebratory part of it to that definition, I guess, because we like to celebrate our shared identities as Korean adoptees and talk about our heritage, culture, and everything else that binds us. Yes. Um, today, we have a snack, and we didn't do our homework and ask if anyone had food allergies, so uh, that's our bad. But the uh, snack is Coastal Meat Crackers, which you had on the show early. Uh, they contain wheat, soy, coconut, oyster, and milk. So if you're allergic to any of those things, don't eat them. But if you're not allergic to any of those things... Go they're to de- town. They're delicious. Uh, they're one of the snacks that, like, of the over 100 episodes we've done now, really stick out, at least in my mind, probably in y'all's minds, too. Oh, it's yeah. like, like, top snack. And we do a snack or drink, like, every episode, so... Well, also, we ate this one about one in the morning? This is, is that true? We, is yes, this what we do with is, Minju? Yeah. Oh, so maybe that's why it sticks out, because maybe we were all... <laughs> <laughs> I have bought it multiple times, though, since that show. So It gets brought up as comparison a lot, compared True. to a lot of things. Yeah, it, it, it works out well. So, yeah, dig in whenever you want to, because um, we're not going to eat it as a part of the show. It's more just like an audience thing for you to, as a thank you for being, I mean, you also have gifts, so there's that. But as a part of your gift is a, a thank you, and we want you to be able to feast, even if you're not continuing on with us for the gogi or Korean barbecue, as you may know. Actually, I think the people that aren't doing that aren't even here, so it's fine. We're all going to... This is exactly how the show goes, when we're recording it from our computers separately at multiple It's deeply states. on brand. We're like, we, we're like, we're going to start the show. We need to talk business. We're going to start the show. Unscripted. That's, That's how we do it. That's what makes it interesting. Speaking of the gifts, uh, we, we do have a book in there, Michelle Lee's new book, The Very Asian, uh, Very Asian Guide to Korean Food. Um, and that's just came out yesterday, so enjoy that. There's also a sticker in there from Boba Jelly Art. You can check that out on Etsy. They make some really cool food 
um, art, digital art. You can buy prints, and they have stickers as well. This one is uh, Bibimbap. How, did, how much were they paying you for those ads? How much did you get paid for those ads right there? Free items. They get paid in merch. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's fine. And thank you and gratitude is what they get. I am very appreciative Great. of them. That's why I wanted to promote I like them. it. I like it. Yeah. More people sponsor us who are listening to the show. <laughs> if you want to be a sponsor, come on the show. Uh, yeah, so we, for those of you who don't know, um, and for the listeners at home, Kind of the pressing thing, I think, for the three of us on top of mind is, Patrick, you just got back from Korea True. like days ago. A few days. Tuesday. Mere days ago. Mere still, days. Still You're, leaning on the jet lag side. Yeah, coming down off of that. You so. established that I'm over the jet lag. You established that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Um, I think what's interesting is that Coming back from this type of trip, you'd expect to like process, and I think that I haven't really done any of that. Uh, I've done a little bit of it in writing, but have not had the time. Got back on Tuesday, went to work on Wednesday, flew here yesterday. So it's just been pretty go, 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 and I think we'll probably get into it here. So I apologize in advance if I start bawling. It'll happen. Uh, also, things in advance and business out of order. At the end, we will do a Q&A if you have any questions, no pressure. Uh, oh, yeah. And for recording purposes, if you could go use that mic over to your right, that'd be baller. We could pass it around, too. If, if, if not, then... Well, no, not long I enough. I don't know how long that mic... Eh, it might be okay. Anyways, if not, it's fine. I'll figure it out later. But just do me a favor. I'm asking as a friend and <laughs> podcaster, please use the microphone. <laughs> it's helpful. I've heard it's helpful, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So, what was your... Actually, wait. Just this is explain a, the trip. I'm not going to ask myself questions. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's start with the background, because a lot of people don't know what the trip is about. Or what, what OKF who, is. Who is running it. Or any of that. And, okay. Yeah. So you want set me to talk scene. about the... Set the scene for the trip. Yes. Okay. So last year, for our one-year anniversary, we did a live show in Los Angeles at the Korean American Federation of Los Angeles. And the president of that organization, James Ahn... Is a friend of our producer Jerry's, and probably eight months ago, eh, maybe not that long ago, he messaged us and said, "Hey, I know of this trip that's for adoptees. Uh, it'll be paid for your flight and your hotel room, and they'll bring you back to Korea. And um, I think you guys should sign up." And so I was already immediately on the fence about signing up because this is a trip sponsored through the Korean government. It's called Overseas Koreans Foundation. So it's Long story short about the program, it's something that's been, I don't know exactly the length of time it's been operational, but the government essentially sponsors for any Koreans who live overseas to come home and either connect with the culture, or participate in activities, go to different sites, stuff like that. So um, I was hesitant because it was a government-sponsored trip. And I think anyone who's listened to the show knows that I have opinions about signing over essentially our story, or my story in particular, um, when it comes to going back. And this is something I've not done before. I have not went back since I was adopted. So we kind of, well, I think we talked about it very briefly, but I don't, all of us drug our feet on applying. And then KJ said that he wasn't going to apply. I think I mentioned that I probably wasn't going to. And then Nathan was like, yeah, I think I might try. And then it eventually became a no for Nathan as well. 
Um, I actually got a message from Liz Kleinrock, a former guest of the show, and she asked me if I was going. And I said, I hadn't applied yet. And she's like, you should apply. And uh, so I thought about it some more and talked with my wife. Um, we're getting ready to purchase a home. Uh, just started a new job. There's a lot of reasons that we came up with that were probably reasons to try and go because it was a free trip. So like we didn't have to, I didn't have to put money towards it, uh, especially because we're getting ready to spend a bunch of money, which we just did. Um, so I ended up applying. I was like, the, the pros outweigh my perceived cons of what uh, the program might be in the return. So applied, ended up getting accepted. And then from the moment we got accepted to the week before I went on the trip, I completely forgot about it because I just had a lot going on at work, a lot going on with this home buying process and just a lot of other things that kind of happened in the interim between getting accepted and in my personal life and then going on the trip. And so that's kind of the, the stage set. Uh, the week of the trip, like all of the feelings that I'd put off thinking about going back returned and it was really terrible. That Monday I had not only a ton of work to do, but I had like three catch-up calls with friends and a recording. And I basically messaged everybody. I was like, hey, I'm having a real rough go of it today. Um, and I just need this space. And luckily, everyone was like, yes, take that time. And it really helped me get into a better, not as overwhelmed sense of, of mind before getting on the plane. So, yeah, that's kind of the stage set. Yeah, I think we talked to you like five days before you left and we were planning on recording and we are going to... We'll just let him do his thing. We yeah. didn't talk to you until the day you left. No, I don't. I yeah, we, I don't think yeah. we talked after that. <laughs> I think we, like, my sent it, text. Yeah, that my hunch it. was like Patrick's probably drowning. <laughs> we, yeah, let's just let's, let's try to scoop some, some water out some for him. Just treading a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so this is a question that I've heard you pose to many times. Actually, wait, just a quick audience poll for the adoptees in the room. By show of hands, how many of you have returned to your country of birth? Okay, perfect. All right, that just needed needed a quick poll uh, for the listeners at home. I'm not going to tell you. You had to, <laughs> you had to be here. So <laughs> you should have you should have been here. <laughs> it's fine. Not to I don't want to shame anyone. That's yeah, fine. it's this really is, our fault. This is a safe here. space. It's it's our fault for being horribly disorganized. Anyways. So sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So the question I have for you is. What did you feel when you first stepped off of the plane? Um, it's funny because I do ask that. Did you breathe the jet fuel and you were like, <laughs> home, yes. So I do ask this to everybody who comes on the show and does return to Korea. Because I'm like, you think that you would feel that thing. You would expect it. And almost, I think almost everyone has said no. Like it was like, I didn't feel anything until like it got into the city and actually we're still doing things. And that's exactly what happened to me. We got there, we landed, and it didn't feel like anything. It felt like we just got to the airport, and I just, I was like, I don't like standing on the plane waiting to deboard, so let's get off of here. Bust through customs, did all of that. Um, and they were going to pay for us to take the train to the hotel, and after 16 hours on a flight, I was like, I don't want to deal with public transportation in a country whose language I don't understand. And so I had a been suggested by another friend to order like a car or a taxi so we did that and we took that into the city cut the cut the commute in half and i was still waiting on the drive to like really feel anything and the only thing i i honestly don't think i felt 
much of any sort of feeling of like joy of being back or like sadness or whatever it was. I think it was just merely like we're driving, kind of seeing the landscape, and then we hit a bunch of traffic, and I was like, no. I don't want to like, be. Oh, I don't want to be in feels this traffic. Different. Yeah. It's so different there's not any Kias around, but I know we're in a different place. Yeah. And honestly, it really wasn't until that second, like the first full day, so of being there, we like got to go out and went to Gyeongbokgung Palace, that I really felt anything um, resembling emotion, I guess, of being back. What was the palace like for you? Because I I remember when I went, that was my first time thinking of we talked earlier this morning about how uh for a lot of adoptees erasure is a really common narrative and a loss of history and a loss of connectedness to anything older than yourself uh and i think when i first went to the palace i was like oh korea's old like really old like there's a history there what was that did that like sense of cultural weight in like enter your brain at all or yeah, did it kickstart the, uh, the... Did you suddenly start speaking I'm in Korean? Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Struck um, by the spirit, and now you can just speak in tongues? So, yes, it did. Um, I think, again, just being in a place with so much history that is so old, I think you can't help but feel, I don't, I don't know, just the presence of that. Um, I think going to Greece and visiting a 4,000-year-old city there really kind of helped me set the stage of what I would feel there. Um, I feel like I sound nervous. I don't like it. Um, you can like get up and walk around if you need to. I might have to. <laughs> I got the shortest cord, so I probably should. Um, <laughs> but I will say that um, I was kind of in like a weird headspace. So for this tour, this was like the first cultural thing we did. And we went to, there's like an altar that's about 15 minute walk away. It's a little, a little bit different. And... I'm going to tell the story because I don't care. Um, we had a, the, the lead tour guide of this thing. She was a white woman. Could speak fluently in Korean. Lived there for like 25, 30 years. Um, by all accounts, you know, understands the culture. Obviously wouldn't be leading tours if she was not, uh, you know, at least knowledgeable in that. She made like, a, like an offhand joke about a, all the tour guides abandoning their children to come lead us and do their work. And it really, really, like, it really rubbed me the wrong way. And I, that, I could not get that thought out, and that comment out of my mind. And she ended up being our small group's leader. So I had to continue to listen to her talk about these things. Very knowledgeable in the history, especially once we got to the palace. And she's... So the, the, the interesting thing about the palace is that <clears throat> it was like the largest of five. And then not only did the Japanese come in once and burn it all down, they came in again and tore it all down a second time. And so they're going through this process of, like, restoring it. And she talked about the history post-World War II, post-Korean War, of going from poverty to the third largest, uh, like, economy in the world. And just because she made that comment, the whole time I was just, like, waiting for some sort of adoption thing to be acknowledged. Like, this was part of what happened because you're all adoptees. You were adopted from Korea and while maybe I won't say that this was a boon to our economy, like, this helped drive some of that. And that never came. And I knew it wasn't going to come, but I was waiting for it. And it just didn't. And I think, unfortunately, that really, that was one of, going to the palace, one of the most powerful and, and one of my most favorite things that I did. But it's been tainted. It was tainted by that remark. 
And so the only thing that really got me through, because we're being rushed through the palace too. Like we got there late and we only have so much time that you can visit and, and look around. And you had to stay in your group. You had to stay in the group. Can't go off and explore on your own. Um, it just felt like, it felt, I could feel that history, but I was rushed through the history. And I couldn't really sit there and like take it in or process. I think that's something that I'll probably talk about a lot is not having the opportunity to process anything that I was feeling or anything that was just being said to us. All the history and information that's being fed to us, it's like, here's five minutes of talking and now we move. And here's five minutes of talking and now we move. And it's like, you don't get a chance to like really soak it in. And so I think while the palace was great and I really, really did love it, um, it's just like the outer context of why we ended up there uh, made it not as great as it could have been. Well, that's wild too, because like I think about in the very little that I have read around Korean adoption, how essentially, I mean, part of it was like the whole who just were like heard about war babies and they're like, we can save them. But also part of it was Korea's infrastructure couldn't handle all of the war babies. Right. And so like, right. it was a way of like, we have a bunch of babies and we need to take care of them, but also half of, well, some of them are like half black and we don't like that. And then also we just don't have like the infrastructure cause we're a very poor country. And so I think like, yeah, for me, even hearing that, I'm like, Oh, so you decided to restore your palace, but also couldn't take care of your own people. Well, that's the thing. Like the whole reason of starting international adoption outside of the Holtz doing it is that we have a bunch of mixed race children who we as a society will probably never accept. So if we ship them all out back to the United States, who's probably uh, fathered all of these like, children, yeah, they got black people then, over there. You know, they'll like be that'll be that'll be that. But then it became, you know, actual just like full blooded Korean children that were being adopted out for un- numerous reasons. Yeah. And so, you know, that was the shit. Yeah. During your uh, um, <laughs> no further questions. No. <laughs> yeah. See, we don't do that virtually. We can't hit each other by accident. I liked it. Um, <laughs> during your trip, when you were going around with the tour, uh, how how many other groups were there? Did you see um, like the types of tour guides that they were having? Did you see their? Did you talk to anyone about their experiences as well um, with with the just the experience of OKF and everything? Um. I actually, I'm, so we talked about the experience of the program overall. In that first day, I didn't really talk to anybody else about, like, their guides or anything. All of their guides were Koreans. So, like, it was just, I don't know. It was just like, okay, you got what I wanted. Um, <laughs> and probably didn't have these remarks made. But, um, no, we didn't really talk about, like, that, the other person's experience. I think after that day, like, I was just, I think my fears of what the program was going to be were confirmed. And that actually made me kind of withdraw a little bit from interacting with all the other participants. Because I was like, I was like, one, I don't want to jade their experience with my experience. And yeah. two, like, I don't know if I am emotionally capable of having this conversation, especially with people like from, from other countries. And I think the interesting thing is defaulting to English all the time. I really like that they had like French translators there. So for, because I think there were some French people who just spoke no English, French adoptees. Um, but yeah, I just felt like I knew enough people in the group and outside of the tour group, um, that I could interact with. And I think just because I had such a a negative experience in that first day, I think it like, I kind of insulated myself from really experiencing and connecting with everyone else. Unfortunately. 
Um, outside of your time with OKF and the programming and all that, you got to hang out with some friends. Yeah. What was that like when you decided, no, I'm going to leave my group and go to other places I'm like an American? Did you have a plan for me? I've got other plans. It felt, uh, it was great, honestly. Uh, the night we were able to hang out with the Dollins, who we've referenced on the show multiple times, um, a few other people, Rick Allen, uh, previous guest on the show, got to hang out with him. Two of the people who were in our smaller group actually came out with us as well, so that was kind of cool to be able to experience that with other people we just met, new friends. Um, but it was great because, again, we're moving through, because we got to move through the streets of Korea on our own, essentially. And I think I talked about it in the episodes leading up to leaving, but you know, one of the things I really wanted to make sure I did besides eat roasted chestnuts from the street <laughs> vendor was to just find time Bail. to exist and just be in Korea, be a Korean in Korea, whether or not I could speak the language, you know, and none of that, just be able to just walk on the street unencumbered by an agenda or anything like that. And that allowed me to do that also in the comfort of friends. Um, but as I wrote about in, a, in one of my most recent LinkedIn posts about not knowing the language, but being able to code switch between Anyaseo and Kamsamnida and then like throw some English in there to communicate and never having any other Koreans be like, why are you talking like that? Like just kind of accept me as, or accept that form of speech, um, was really, it was really powerful. Like you, it just made me feel like, Hey, I'm at home. And so to go do that with a bunch of friends outside of the group specifically, um, it just, I just felt really, really comfortable. And so, yeah. In addition to that, uh, feeling comfortable, we had talked previously on one of our episodes about, uh, bringing our spouses to Korea with us. How was that experience? It was good. I'm glad that Emily was able to come and experience that. Um, oh, we should have her on the show. Did we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah we should. That's yeah. fine. Come back. Um, Come back, Emily. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cause I think it'd be good to hear this experience. From her, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I can't speak for her, and I can't say exactly, you know, right, what yeah. all she was feeling. But I think at the end of the day, it was good for it was good for me to have, you know, for lack of a better cliche, my rock there to be able to be that emotional support anchor. Um, I mean, I think I could have went by myself just fine and been able to have these conversations. <laughs> Outside of that, I don't mean that to say like. <laughs> to be clear, I didn't need a rock. Okay? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm but just I saying. The rock. I meant okay. I in the context, the in the context of this tour, yeah. I could have went because you don't have time to process. Yeah. And her being there allowed me to like. She was asking me the questions that you probably wouldn't be asked unless you hung out with a friend the entire time. Yeah. You know, like how are you doing? Are you okay? Like when we would go do stuff, she would drop those those little questions just to. Just to check in, you know, I think I needed that check in because obviously there's 13 hour time difference. So it's like, I don't want to call her at midnight and she's trying Guess to what happened? Uh, be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm having an emotional breakdown and I need you right now. You know, I didn't want to have to do that. And like luckily that didn't happen. Um, but she, it was, I was really glad to have her there for those small moments, like the, the moments of quiet that we actually did get um, really, I think, helped to settle me a little bit more than I probably would have if I were by myself on that tour alone. Because there probably would have been a day where I probably would have not done anything and just hung out by myself in the hotel room because of how strict all the rules were and everything like that. Like, I don't know. Like, she helps to push me sometimes to break the rules, I guess I'll say. So, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It was good for that. All right. That is not a response I would have expected to hear. But 
Great. Good to hear. I mean, it's good to hear. It. <laughs> I don't know. I just figured you'd be the one be like, I'm going to go do my own thing. And she'd be like, maybe, maybe not, but that's fine. I don't know you. Well, that she way. offered that multiple times. And she offered, she said that I should, she suggested that I stay longer. And like she would go home and I, I could just stay. And I was like, no, Nathan said I had to come to Dallas <laughs> and do this live show. So I, I can't stay any longer. But, you know, I really, I really appreciated that and did that without me like prompting it or anything. Like she suggested, like, you should, you know, if you really want to and are able to, you should stay. And, you know, I think that that meant a lot. Yeah. And it stuck with you because now you're thinking next year. Oh, 100% going back for a long time. Well, three weeks, I guess, not for like. Three years or anything. <laughs> I already asked if, we, if, I, if she thought or she would think about moving there, and I don't know if she was thinking that yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not have there to wait with a you. Bit. Yeah. yeah. Have you started right. looking more into the dual visa? <laughs> uh, we had an info session that they talked a lot about that. Um, yeah, the info sessions were really interesting uh, about the stuff that they talked about. The visa was one, and I felt like it was a lot of contradictory info. I honestly can't remember exactly what all they shared, but information that was different than what I heard. But these were coming from the ministry, so they would know. But I just saw, I thought the info sessions were very interesting as well. So in addition to the info sessions, I saw that they were doing um, cultural sessions as well. So they did some artwork, um, music, I think, and taekwondo. Oh, yeah, wait, didn't you... Did you do, do art or yeah, like pottery I'm curious. or something? Which one did you Whatever do? Whatever you did, you weren't happy about it. Yeah. Um, well, like, so, it's my own fault. So <laughs> the day they sent us the signups for the different cultural activities, because there was it was limited to like 15 people, I think, or 20 people, um, I was in a place where I could not get the form to open. So I was like, oh, I'll put this off for two days, have time to sign up later. Did not have time. Uh, the only things that were available were the Minwa painting, which is like using five primary colors to paint pictures um and then uh oh k-pop dancing oh <laughs> yeah um we're gonna see that later obviously. right so you're, you're not gonna, gonna s- <laughs> so you're not gonna see it at all because that's the day we skipped uh, <laughs> like oh, there were the day before probably would have been better because we went to one of the history museums it was actually really fascinating but also really terrible the way the tour was structured um, but anyways, yeah, we skipped the cultural activities, which did look very fun, but that was the day we, uh, we said we were tired and they said, well, anyone who doesn't feel well needs to take a COVID test. And I was like, well, we're just tired. We don't feel sick. And they go, like, we have to take this test. Like, have you heard of jet lag? And then our tour group leader, as I picked up the test, she goes, <laughs> she goes, Hey, I just suggest that you say you're really exhausted and don't leave your room today. And I was like. So I made Emily and I take pictures of us laying in the bed. So if anybody came by, I would just send that to the group there. Yeah, we're here. Uh, we're just sleep. We were just sleeping when you came by. Um, but instead of doing that, we went to we took the metro to um, Yongdong and went up to uh, the Seoul Tower, which was really cool. Um, you can see a lot of the city up there, a lot of the mountains. You see the Han, and um, they had like a. Oktoberfest going on as well, which is super interesting. <laughs> it was super interesting, interesting, but they had like a so they had a taekwondo performances going on, but also in conjunction with, but also combating the performance was like live musical performances by I what I'm assuming was a talent show because people were just lining up and either singing. They would a bands would come up and play one song and then they'd leave. It was really strange, but really awesome. 
Was it like Oktoberfest themed? Was it a bunch yes, of Koreans? It was hundred percent Oktoberfest. <laughs> they like so, German beers. Yeah, and nice. I'm like, I don't want this. I want the Korean beer. <laughs> so, but no, that was so skipping the cultural activities. I do wish we would have done it because I would have liked to see myself try and learn the K-pop choreography. I think I could have done it, but um, right. going to Soul Tower was that was the second best day. Just spending the time with Emily to go and do that and be away from the group and just navigate like menus and stuff on our own but had no English. And so we went to a place called Jeju Noodles. <laughs> and I knew what I got because I recognized what was in the picture. Didn't know what I ordered Emily. I'm like, I think you'll like this. <laughs> and it was fine. Wait, what do you think? What did you get? I got kimchi jjigae and okay. I got her some pork noodle thing. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know what it was. She liked it. She liked oh, the noodles. Right. Yeah, and good. I ate the pork, but... <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I just really liked it because, or I like that we did that because I think in a way it was experiencing the culture outside of, you know, what was going on and seeing just everyday Koreans just doing whatever. Yeah. It seemed like everybody's going there, so it seemed like a good place to go. And little did they know, back in your room, someone knocks on your door and there's an automated, oh, we're okay. We're sleeping. We're still in bed. Like Ferris Bueller, music turns on, oh, yeah. and a mannequin pops up. <laughs> well, the really nice thing is, instead of having like the door handle things that say do not disturb, they have buttons that say make up my room or do not disturb. So if you hit do not disturb, it's a red thing on your doorbell outside. So they know not to come there. So. <laughs> Amazing. You can help. Sorry, I lie sometimes, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I needed to go my own way. and. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm cool. glad you did that, honestly. I think I think being a little more free while you're there doing what you wanted to do, which is, I know, one of your fears when you first uh, got the trip and you were going to go out there is yeah. that you thought you weren't going to have time to do that. Um, so for you to be able to do that, go explore on your own, I think is probably more meaningful as well because you made the decision to to, to play hooky, <laughs> to, yeah. you know, to go out and find, like, the, the stuff that you wanted to see. So. Yeah, I mean, we had to make the time ourselves. That's, yeah. that's I mean, one of my biggest qualms with the, the this particular tour is that it really did feel like we were in fifth grade. It was a school field trip. And I, I'm i not going to lie, I felt very resentful of that, even though, like, they footed the bill for us to stay there. Like, I am grateful for that opportunity. And I do recognize the privilege in being able to do that and being accepted to do this when a lot of people who have had worse experiences than me, maybe want to go back or try to go back and will never get picked for something like that. You know, I do recognize that. And at the end of the day, I wish I could give that spot to someone else because, yeah, but, yeah. Well, I mean, in general, you know, we always talk about how we're not a monolith. There's probably some people who are going to say that that trip was amazing. And that was oh, 100%. The best. Yeah. So it probably was. experience is different. Exactly. So exactly. we're not bad-mouthing the experience. <laughs> we're not bad-mouthing OKF just for you and your personal experience of, of doing this. Yes, my personal experience, I am. In your personal opinion. <laughs> I'm Patrick Armstrong, and I approve <laughs> this message. <laughs> well, I, I said the message. Um, how do you think you have changed? I think that you have referenced that a little bit even in your own comfort with saying hello and thank you and that being the end of your korean knowledge for now but how do you think this shifts your identity so from I, who you were before sure so i think that you know just only having recently found like full acceptance of myself um in may and then before that just having very briefly been through that reclamation phase was all lumped together as the same thing. But 
Um, like fully accepting myself like Asian American as Korean enough uh, as an adoptee. Um, okay, so it shifted my identity in the fact that I was really worried not only that I wouldn't have enough time to do my own thing, but that I was still going to feel out of place because I've heard those stories. Mm-hmm. And I know that happens for adoptees especially to go home or to go back to our country of origin and feel like, oh, I'm not accepted here either, even when I look like everyone else. And I'm really, really fortunate that I did not have that experience because that's what I thought was going to happen. And it didn't. And I think I kind of in the back of my mind was waiting for it to happen and it just never did. Mm. Um, And especially after that kind of the interaction of being able to code switch and feel like people weren't looking at me as I was different or like, you know, for whatever reason, I was really like that was when it set in that, oh, I don't have enough time here. Mm. And so I think what shifted for me is that I've just moved further along the scale of acceptance. Like I didn't know that I could accept myself any more fully than I had in May, like that feeling. But that's what I had in Korea, like walking around and and just 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 utilizing the two words that I know in conversation and just receiving responses in Korea. And I was just like, this is this is right. Like it's you don't I don't I don't think you or you can feel you always feel like, oh, this is right. Like, this is the right thing that's supposed to be happening a lot in your life. And, like, that's what it felt like. And so it just made me feel like I, oh, oh shit, I do love myself a little bit more. Like, a little bit more. I didn't know that I could find that, you know. After 30 years of trying to find even the ounce of self-love that I got when we first started doing the show and coming out of the fog or entering the apocalypse, whatever <laughs> it might be, you know, I didn't, It's been it's been a series of, slightly stepping further and Korea like was that after, especially after I felt like, you know, I, I'd reached where I needed to go. And now it was just like building on that, like, Oh, I can have a little bit further. When you say you feel like you didn't have enough time, what, like, what does that mean? Like, uh, hold on. Let me talk better (laughs) for the editing. Yeah. For the, for the editing. Yeah. Um, what would you like? What did you want more time for? Just that existence piece. Yeah. Like, I think, so five days, definitely really short, probably four and a half, to be honest. Um, and then, again, the tour, just so very strict in what you, in your movements, what you could and could not do. And that's why, and especially after I started to feel that more, um, the acceptance piece, like, that's when I was like, this is not enough time. And again, that regret of, like, this is not how I wanted to come here the first time. Yeah. Like I wanted to be like, I have two weeks or three weeks. And I've seen, I have a friend there who's coming back now who was there for two weeks. And she's like, this was not enough time. And I was like, that, I mean, that's what, that's what that felt like is that, you know, I didn't have enough time to just be, again, be a Korean in Korea as opposed to being a tourist in Korea or being a, uh, a, a, a visitor, I guess. Like, yes, I am a visitor or a guest in the country, but also like, I got sent away for no reason that I had any involvement in. And like, I feel like it's almost a right for me to be able to come back in this way, whether, but then to just be able to go out and do what I want, not because I have this agenda set out for me by an entity who facilitated my my going in the first place. So I think that's why it felt like it wasn't enough time simply because it was so constrained, felt so constrained in the movement. I probably could have just said, hey, I'm sick the whole time, and then just went out and did my own thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I didn't want to be that dude. So Sure. Was most of the tour only within Seoul? Yes. So 
Um, oh yeah, it was all in Seoul. We didn't go to any other cities. Like you can go to like there's you can go to like Itaewon or like Gangnam. Um, Gangnam, yeah. Uh, like Myeongdong, that's where we. That's where I was with like the Dolans, and we went out that night. I think they went to somebody went to Gangnam, right? Because all I, I think saw Liz. was oh well, somebody on OKF. Yeah, she I was believe. on that tour. Oh, she was also on the. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember well, like twenty minutes ago when you said, "Yeah, I met up with Liz Steinrock"? And yes, well, I know. Okay, but the only reason I say that is because I remember seeing a giant photo of hands in Gangnam that are oh, the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. dance doing the dance, yeah. and they were taking a photo in front of that. Yeah, somebody. It wasn't Liz though. I don't think. So. Oh yeah, probably other people went. I wonder how how the people of Gangnam feel about that song. Giant big hands. <laughs> yeah, they were like, I "This is know. not how we wanted to be popular. We were doing fine on our own, and then Psy came along and ruined it for <laughs> us." Stole our thunder. <laughs> they love it. They, they probably do. That's yes. fine. Um, is it is it fair or accurate to say something in you clicked that you didn't know was like? unlatched or like not quite connected yeah but i knew that it wasn't there it was okay. that feeling of being korean like mm-hmm. because of the conversation like again that was like like i was really beating myself up about not learning more of the language prior because i've had all these opportunities and then i've talked about it on the show i'm like oh this is gonna make me study real hard <laughs> and this then i the just moment. and then kj's like all right read this song on the snack and i'm like i don't know what that says <laughs> did not study at it one single bit and i'm i've said it again like this trip really did make me feel like, one, I didn't need to do that necessarily, like learn it, but also the next time I go back, I'm going to have learned enough of it to, if not be conversational, not have to necessarily switch back to As much English. As as much, if at all, hopefully. Well, and we talked about this in the car on our way up to the play. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, so. But like for the record, I talked about like how Koreans, when when they're native Korean speakers versus when you learn how to say hello in Korean, like when you're learning Korean and you say hello, you say 안녕하세요. And when you're a native speaker and you say hello, you just say 안녕하세요. And if you're able to capture some essence of the latter, the native Korean speakers would be like, oh yeah, you get it. And then they respond and like, they're like, oh, you know, if you're like, what do you want to order? Or how can I help you? Or, you know, right. whatever. Or if you're in America and they don't expect you, they're like, wait, are you Korean? Because <laughs> uh, that <laughs> happened to me one time. They're like, wait, wh- what? Um, and yeah, and I think like to capture that, but to go a step further, because for me, oftentimes I'll say, 안녕하세요, and I'm like, 안녕하세요, whatever. I'm like, oh, uh, you have mistaken me for someone who speaks fluently. I'm right. so sorry. Let me back up. I'm just... I'm just here for a haircut, you know, or whatever. And well, see, so I and, thought that I would feel like that. Yeah. Like when that happened, I thought I would freak out and be like, oh, sorry, no, I don't speak Korean. I just yeah. know this one word, you know, and I was just like, the first time it happened, I was just like, no, I'm just going to just respond in English. Yeah. And, you know, I had that moment. Again, I have these moments of like, you can do this, like lean into the discomfort of whatever it might be, or you can just continue to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And like normally I will, like for a long time I was doing the comfort. And like this was another moment for me to be able to be like, all right, let's see what happens. Like, yeah. let's just do it. And Are you gonna feel the same way when you go back to Indianapolis and uh, go to a <laughs> Korean restaurant? Um, or get your haircut? And you're like, your haircut? Haircut? No, yeah, like I'm excited to go out? back. I don't know. I'm excited to go back and have that conversation. I do need to get my haircut. I almost did before <laughs> I left, but I did not. Um, but no, I mean, I'm not. I mean, again. It actually makes me feel more confident to really try to lean into the Korean American organizations. Like, I think that's another thing I've been afraid of is like, 
you know, I don't expect people to treat me differently because I'm an adoptee, Korean specifically, but there's just that in my mind. And I've had people like reinforce that when I was first starting all of this. Like, oh, they'll treat you differently. It'll be bad. Well, and there's like and, a, I wish you would and I wish you wouldn't, right? Right. Like, it's the duality of that. Exactly. And I think in this experience, is just like, okay, you can go and, like, navigate this space without issue. And if they have an issue, you know, like, it's not on you to fix that issue. It's like, that's something that they have to walk through and deal with. So I think that's what I'm most excited about because I've been talking about doing local stuff and it's been all adoptee-focused and... I want to be able to lean in more to the wider community because you know, that's how the work is done. Yeah. I also think it's really nice the, the respect that probably um, the Korean Americans take from that when you say something like that. I mean, that's when, for example, when we were at uh, Kafla uh, and you said, you, the first thing you said was Annyeonghaseyo, and everyone oh, I said just, hello, everyone. Yeah, and they were like, "Wow!" They and they cheered. Like, That's all the Korean you're oh, gonna yeah. get from me on <laughs> the stage, right? Yeah, 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 we, yeah we, I remember. We went, I was we went up to accept our award, and I said, "여러분, 안녕하세요," and they're like, they "Oh did, wow!" Cheer. And they cheered. Like, That's and it for my I Korean. <laughs> that is what I mean. I think but, they might like as well. So. But see, that's di- but see, that's that was the thing though, like. I, for whatever reason, I just was able to get the pronunciation right enough to sound naturally like Yeah, uh, they're like, Korean oh, you're speaking. from the country or something. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, instead of looking at me like I was, oh, you're American or, oh, you're probably adopted because you're Korean here in America and you can't speak Korean. Like, they didn't, I never had them look at me like that. They, some people didn't even look up. They just responded. And so <laughs> I would just respond. And it was just, like, I don't know. It's just like, I guess I dev- never, I've never felt that before. Like, yeah. people are always looking at me because I am different. Like here, it's because I'm tall for some reason, and then also Korean and sound like I'm from the Midwest. But in Korea, like or two in spaces where I've been with na- or Korean Koreans, for lack of a better term, Korean Americans, you know, I've had that same thing looking at me like, oh, you're not really Asian, or oh, you're not yeah. really Korean. And to not get that in Korea was huge. That's why I'm saying like I didn't know I could accept myself more. Like yeah. that's what that was. It's like I was, I guess, it's the acceptance of others. Essentially, like them accepting me for whatever I was I was saying. And then I was like, oh, I can move a little bit forward. Yeah. So then would you suggest to anyone thinking about going to Korea and not knowing any Hangul or anything that it will be okay? I mean, I think it will. I think, again, even just having those two words, I think, was really important because those are two of the most common things you hear from people. So I think having even just that foothold will help you a lot, but I don't necessarily think you have to have it. Because I do think if you go there and you spend enough time around people, you're going to pick that up. Like, and I say, oh, you're going to pick that up because you hear it literally every five seconds. Every threshold of <laughs> yeah. every Yeah, and door. if you're just walking on the street, you hear it from everyone, and they're going to be saying it to you, and like within two weeks, I think, of just hearing that one word, like, it'll stick, and you could start, again, started to use that, starting to lean into that language, and I think it would be fine. Again, though, this is me, like, this is my whole experience, my experience. I don't expect anyone to have the same experience or, even, like, even close to the same. It's great if they do, but I also understand that that does not happen for everybody. And it, it can go poorly, or you can, again, feel like I was worried I would feel like, which was unaccepted, different, and ostracized because of who I was. Yeah. I think it's really lovely, and I think, to. I don't remember what we talked about this morning or just off air, but the idea of like snapshots and the image that like our producer Jerry or even that I have of 
Koreans in our homeland and how they perceive us is probably like 20 years old and we haven't been back in a way to update that and say like, oh, this is how they act now, you know? And so I wonder too, if like, even as we in America get the quote unquote benefit of like the globalization of South Korean culture uh, and how that, like how people see us or think about, you know, think about Koreans broadly in America, if that doesn't go two ways and now the Korean people um, are more conscious of adoptees, of Korean Americans, of Koreans who look like them and don't speak as much Korean, you know, like that kind of thing, right. and, and have become maybe culturally more accepting of that. And so even just the, the timing of it, you know, because I, I think about here in Carrollton, and it's like, it's shown by how, how far away we are from original Koreatown, like seven miles or something. Like, that's very much like a version of Korea. And then coming here, there's a new version of Korea that's like, 10 years, 20 years different. And then like in LA, that Koreatown is like maybe 10 years newer than here. You know what I mean? And just the way that, but we all bring snapshots right. of that, you know, and then we all have our own nostalgias and those kinds of things. So I think it's really lovely. And I think that's, it's really nice to hear that you found a way to love yourself, even though it was strained by this, trying to figure out your Koreanness, and that as a final piece fell into place in Korea, you're like, oh, I don't have to work as hard to love myself. I found a new sure. level of self-love. I found, and I, like, that's a thing that I personally have found, like, my small win, and it's a massive win, but it's a, my small win is anytime I hear an adoptee cross that threshold of enough, of seeing themselves as Asian American, enough <laughs> as whatever enough as like just whole and who they are and the, and the step into that I think is so so important. Um, so I'm really glad that that you found that and that you found a new level of that. I didn't know that you could level up, but uh, I didn't either. That's super exciting for me personally. I'm like, ooh, I can, you got uh, this. I got places to go. <laughs> I'm gonna be back. Yeah. Um, so hearing his story, does that make you even more want to go back? Yeah, because I, I and I think we talked about this, but like because I went pre adoption apocalypse and would go back post apocalypse, like that definitely colors how I want to move in that space and how I want right. to be in that space. And I, I saw some, one of our friends on Instagram who's there too. She was, she's at Jeju Island and was just like, I just sat on a bench for like three hours and just like was in this. Also Jeju is gorgeous right. from what I've heard, but uh, <laughs> like I've not personally been, but uh, yeah. So she's like, I was just there and there were Koreans around me and I was breathing Korean air and Korean ocean and drinking Korean, you know, it's whatever. But I think just that ability to exist and be still in a land that knows you that, and, you know, and accepts you just as like you are part of this land, you know, and to, to be connected and rooted in that way, I think is really beautiful and really important uh, for, for adoptees, transnational right. adoptees to be able to experience um, to just like be in their place and feel that acceptance, whether that comes through their country or there's some other medium, like yeah. a fellow uh, person from their country. What's the word for that? Fellow citizen of, I don't know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Local? <laughs> what? Um, I don't know. So to that point, um, I think another thing that really had me or that helped me facilitate that connection was, so when I first started doing all of this, like, leaning into the cultural aspect of being Korean and learning about Korean history. I listened to a podcast um, from the Korea Society. And earlier this morning, we talked about Han. You brought up Han and the concept of Han. Can you explain that real quick? And so Han is like a, so I am going to explain it, okay, but cool. not this similar 
definition that you gave. That's fine. Give the definition that you gave this morning. Uh, I don't remember what I said this morning. I don't morning. remember either. Just That's why I was asking nice. you to say it. <laughs> uh, it was, I, you did it good. You did you gave I a good I said one. Han longing. is like, it's a, it's a, yeah, but it's like a longing born of grief and trauma and suffering. And But there's like a, so there's like a longing, a, a perseverance, a steadfastness, but it comes from like a really sad place. Right. So, and so that that's yeah. actually perfect. So, Obviously, we just had a little bit of trouble defining it. KJ has a definition, but notoriously, Han has been labeled as difficult to define. And in this podcast, uh, I was a professor. His name is Michael Shin. He was talking about Han and how we can define it. And he defines Han as a loss or a lack of identity. Because Koreans, for a long time, have suffered either colonization or invasion. And now, the country is literally split in half by... Uh, the DMZ, you know, we're split into North and South. And so how can we as a people be whole um, and know our true identities when our country is physically, like where we come from, our history has literally been schismed. And I, that's always really stuck with me as being like, oh, I know you're not talking about adoptees, but that's literally like my definition of what it is to be an adoptee is to lose your identity. And it's been a clawing back and a, and a, and a journey to try and find that. And so... You know, that, that sticks with me everywhere I go. But in Korea, I, don't, I didn't talk about it a lot with people, but I was thinking about that and how, like, that almost does make me feel whole to be in a place that knows that struggle so intimately uh, in a way that I think is still really hard to define to another person, especially someone who's not adopted, who doesn't understand, like, oh, well, either, oh, well, I've never seen you as an Asian person, so all of my white friends that I grew up with, <laughs> Or that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But just like that, um, that, like, I don't know, that gave me fullness to know that the place I'm from truly understands what it means to not know that, to not know who you are and to fight to find that. So it's just another connective piece that, you know, I think we don't talk about a lot, especially in with Han being such a ill-defined Concept. Not, maybe not ill-defined, no, no, yeah, just a, a hard, hard to, to define. define. It's literally the, I don't know what to say about it, the, yeah. the je ne sais quoi. Um, yeah, so I want to shift gears, but thank you for being as candid and forthright with your no trip problem. to Korea. Um, that's a lot to, I mean, even as I was like, you're like, oh yeah, I have to ask you questions. I haven't thought about sure. questions, but but thanks for, for sharing and, and I appreciate that. And I think, first off, Probably thank more. you for sharing because we... I don't think we thank each other enough for what we do. And uh, I know that like for us, it's a thing that we've committed to. Um, and for two years, we have been really honest and really um, candid with our stories. And yeah, so I'm grateful to the both of you for being able to to do this sustainably for two years and Same. and for more. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, so I want to I wanna shift gears because Nathan, you said um, you... Recently went to your what college homecoming? Yeah, right. And I, uh, as I was asking Patrick about these snapshots and the ability for a country and a place to move forward, you <laughs> went back to a place that has moved forward and have moved forward. And I'm curious, uh, what what your experience at homecoming was? Because you were like, guys, I can't wait to talk about this on the show. So well, yeah, I had, talk I had, about it on I the show. Yeah, well, I had a couple stories. I had a couple uh, interactions, but no, it's been great to be back in Colorado to to see some of my old friends. Uh, but also it's been, you know, it's, it's been a time 
during the pandemic. It's been a time. Where, you know, <laughs> things have ha happened. And so there's lots of things. I don't know uh, how to talk to some of my friends. I don't know what political stance they have. Um, I, it's, you know, Colorado is, is a very nice place with kind of a, a middle ground of a, a mix of everything. So, again, I just try to, you know, be a little bit... Uh, Careful, careful <laughs> with who I'm talking with. Um, being that a majority of my college uh, friends are white, so let me face it, all of my college friends are white. All right, majority. But um, so when I was back, uh, I was up at uh, homecoming, and actually there was uh, our fraternity that I was in actually had a little event, and there was another guy who was there, and uh, we started talking, and he's Korean, and he's we just started talking. He goes, "Yeah, I'm Korean," and I was like, "Sweet." You, you know, <laughs> fist bump. High five, buddy. High five, Koreans. Me and too. Then was talking, yeah. And then I started saying something and I said, you know, I was like, well, I'm, I'm a Korean adoptee. And he goes, oh, me too. Like double fist bump. Let's do that again. And I was just and you're so like, come amazed. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he gave him a sticker and invited okay. him on the show. He gave, gave him a sticker. sticker. <laughs> no, but I just thought that was so amazing that here I am, you know, meeting some of my old friends, some of my, uh, you know, people that I haven't seen in 10, 20 years. Uh, here I'm back at the, the campus that I was still in the fog during while I was in college, not wanting anything to do with with anything Asian um, or even Korean adoptee related. And then here is a, another Korean adoptee who's joined my fraternity. Um, and I, I texted my wife and I was like, there's another Korean adoptee who just, who's in the fraternity. She was like, oh, it's like little you 28 years ago. <laughs> just You're like, like, wow, great. thanks. So did you? Like, did we're you? Not on the show, Allison. <laughs> did you spot this gentleman and, and seek him out, or I, I did, and <laughs> and I, I mean, you're like it, you're darker than everyone else here. <laughs> you're not. No, right. I, mean, I just wanted to go talk to him. There, there was actually uh, another lady there who's Korean, and I was talking to her again. I wasn't pinpointing the only the Asians to talk to. I was talking to everybody, but but in my mind, I mean, sure. in a group of. 50 people there's three Asians and you, you know you're oh I'm gonna go talk to them eventually and so yeah. were they in your same was just in a fraternity event or was it like part of the homecoming <laughs> was like oh it's not like class reunion I guess no. I was com I was conflating sorry you know it was sorry. a fraternity alumni event cut so, that yeah. cut that cut that I'm not gonna cut it <laughs> but uh, but yeah no it was it was just very nice to to be there and actually see that uh, you know there's some continuation of that there was actually uh, also there's an Asian American um, group there too, and I was seeking out their booth because I wanted to go talk to them because they're an organization that when I was there completely abandoned because they were like, "Hey, join us!" and this, and I was like, "No, thank you." <laughs> and I just didn't want anything to do with it. But now I've donated to them, and I and I know uh, the names of a couple people that are in it, and I wanted to go find them, and I was really mad because I couldn't find them. And I was like, "Ah, so next time I'm going to look for them, and I'm going to find them because I want to. I don't know. I just want to have a conversation. I just want to see, uh, you know, uh, who's joining their organization, organization. What are they doing? You know, things like that. Things that I kind of missed out on, I guess, back in college. You live close now, so you can just drive up there and kind of walk around campus, figure it out." Oh, run randomly in the campus. That guy looks too old to be here. <laughs> not ageist on the show. You just they, said uh, they might be ageist at the campus. I don't know. It's true. That is true. That's legit. All right. Um, you kept it pretty under wraps, or we didn't ask any follow-up questions. So, is there anything else that you want to say about it? Because I don't have any follow-up questions. <laughs> like, no, that's it. That's yeah, all that's I wanted good. to share. I have ran into another cad, yeah. and that was cool. Yeah. I, I mean, have you uh, gone back to any reunions or like college? Um, no, I currently live in a place that I left for 10 years, so this is deeply... This is your reunion? Yeah, like this is deeply my neighborhood. Um, 
I mean, I was saying to in between sessions, like when I left this area, there was only H Mart and Yogurt Land, and now I come back and there's like Little Korean Mecca. Is that track? That tracks. Um, you know, and the I mean, there's still OG Koreatown, um, but this place is new and so trendy, and it's hard to find parking and whatever. And was it a shock to you when you came back and saw all of this here? Did you were you aware that no, this was I, building up? Yeah, I yeah. like you know we'd visit every, all the holidays and stuff, and and my niece would keep me abreast of like, yo, this place is popping off, and I was like, all right, girl, I see you. <laughs> so you just got a ten by ten. You got to no, yes, I mean legitimately. She was like, "No, Daiso, Teso on the other side," and I was like, "What's what the heck is Ninety Nine Ranch?" And yeah, whatever. So, um, yeah. So I mean, I knew it was growing, and I knew that it was happening. Um, but then, like, when we moved back, I was like, "Oh yeah, we could live so close." And, I mean, we did live close, and then I was like, "There's a lot of Koreans here," and I was like, "This is too many Koreans. I can't. Too close. I can't. Too close. Well, not even too close, but I, it's the same thing of like they. It felt like whether or not this is true, it felt like they had all just immigrated, mm. and I was like, I can't." be what you're looking for and also you're not what I'm looking for and I found myself looking out for more Asian American spaces because as I have changed and come back I only know white spaces so I'm like how do I make no more white friends how I just need I want more friends (laughs) who are not white how where take me to there how do I? No offense to any of, how, the, of how his friends listening. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, it's not like I'm not trying to lose friends. I just don't want more white friends because here, like, I just I need people who see me and who get me, and I I don't have to code switch as much. I don't have to translate as much. I don't have to like harumph and who and like filter and do all of that kind of stuff or and tiptoe around what I want to say or what's pressing on my mind or if I am grieving a moment. Like the people just were like, yeah, we get it. We are also aware of that, yeah. you know, like I don't, I just don't want to translate anymore. It's too much for my brain. So. Well, and it's like, I totally get that because I've been saying that same thing to myself because it's like all my friends for the longest time, even through college, for most of college, were just white. You know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't go out of my, or I didn't even put any effort into trying to diversify my friend group. It was just like, Again, hang out with the people I've always hung out with, and it's totally fine. Yeah. I'm having a great time. Yep. And really, I was having a terrible time. All right. Get into that later. That's, yeah, that's fine. That's another episode. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, like, I've heard so many other, like, black voices say, like, well, I've got a PhD in whiteness. Uh, like, I don't need more. I don't need to learn more about that. But I feel like I just graduated high school as the high school of Asian Americanness, and I'm going off to college. I'm like, where are my friends at? And they're like, we're in grad school. I'm like... I'll catch up. It's fine. You got you know, this. Whatever. Or Celebrated they're like, courses. they're like, actually, or it's the Korean immigrants who are like, well, we just got to survive and do the assimilation thing. I'm like, I'm really not on assimilation train either. I was kind of born into that. Didn't have a choice. So I'm trying to jump off that train and do other things. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. Well, I'm still very impressed being here in Carrollton that there are so many Koreans here. Thank you, I did that. A, are you, who are you, who are you plugging that. right now? I'm I, not plugging I, I did. The city, the city of Carrollton. <laughs> Only me. I want to shout out the city and of Carrollton for having more Koreans? By leaving. <laughs> many came in my absence. <laughs> they are they are here because they heard KJ was coming back. No, because they left. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, he's gone, finally. Well, no, I mean, just today, walking around the little neighborhood, uh, you know, the shopping center, there's so much there that, again, I'm I'm jealous of it. I'm, you know, going Same. through that H-Mart. It's so nice. So I think uh, 
um, you know, I, I, I think that's really uh, great that, that you have this area. So I, I hope to move closer or have more uh, stores open up in uh, Boiler alert, in Nathan's Denver. moving? No, so. in Denver. He said, I hope to move, move closer, closer to, to more to of here. an environment like oh, that. I see. He's like, Sorry, I I'm going to move my back phrases. to Oklahoma. <laughs> my thoughts are broken. Take you just want to go to Brahms. Just, <laughs> just admit it. <laughs> Take me to Brahms. Mm, Korean shopping Brahms. It's the same. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. He didn't right. have an answer. Anyways. That's fair. Uh, do you want to do questions? Oh, yeah. I so forgot we were doing good, questions. Good question sure. time. Yes. If you have yeah. questions or comments, please use the microphone for recording purposes. Uh, otherwise, I mean, you don't have to have any. Yeah, you don't have that's to have totally any questions. That's totally fine, too. It's just, yeah. We can cut this awkward silence out. Leaving it in. <laughs> or we can talk over it no. oh. as people cue towards the microphone. Oh, there we go. For the record, please your, uh, your say name, your name. Your name, sir. <laughs> uh, where you're hailing from and your question. Uh, hi, my name is Eric Kemp, and I'm, well, I can't say I'm originally from Denver, but I was raised in Denver, and then I've been living out in Los Angeles for about over a year now. So, um. But uh, you've all been back to Korea now uh, at different points in your life. I'm, and then you mentioned like that you went with Emily, and that was your rock. You didn't need the rock, but you had the rock. You <laughs> had the rock. On, twice on now. the record, can't cut it out because I said it twice. He did not need the rock. <laughs> he did not need the rock. But I liked it. I just wanted to reiterate that. But I appreciate that. Thank um, you. But within that context, um, and you guys kind of spoke to this earlier uh, from the um, the interview uh, portion where. Um, uh, kind of trying to navigate your own journey with your parents. What would it been like, I guess, are, are you, I got to reframe this question a little bit better. Where, would you, ha, are you interested in having your parents come with you on a trip to Korea? So I went with my parents. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was fun because I was young and uh, I went on a homeland tour with Holt. And so it wasn't, it wasn't five days. It was a little bit longer than that, I think. Maybe it was five days. I don't know. It was, it was a lot. Um, but we also got to go around the peninsula. And it wasn't, I think because it was through the adoption agency and not through the government, we got to, like, they were like, here is the country that you, like, they were a more aware, you know, as the yeah. adoption agency. Um, so I thought it was really nice. And it was, like, historical and all those kinds of things. And I was just like, yeah, my parents, woo, we're doing, doing the international travel bit. Going back now, mm -hmm. I don't, no, probably not. Just because, like, I want to experience that for myself. Sure. Uh, Sarah and I would like to go because we've both been, <laughs> a, like, on our own but not together. So kind of the same thing. Where like, you got to go with Emily. It was like, yeah, yeah. there's there's a world where like I, I and we've talked about this before, but like I want to go with Sarah, and I think to have some time alone too is important. Just to like be in that space, you know. And so like, kind of the both end of it is important. But at this point, I don't know beyond just like here we are back in my country. Like I don't know. Like not that. Not that people should be like only what they bring to the table, but like I don't know that having my parents there, it it could be more distraction than what I need to do for myself going back in my new worldview and my new space. So, I would think it's a similar. It, I would have to have make multiple trips because also my wife has not been there, and I would love to take her there with me, um, and potentially my my kids as well someday when they're older and they won't uh, go run off and get hit by cars or something. <laughs> so. Uh, 
the fact that so I... So when they're like 80. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. There's, uh, the fears of, of parenthood and traveling sure. and being on a plane for 12 hours or whatever. No, we all get it. So, but no, I definitely want to make multiple trips. So, yes, I would go with my family, you know, my wife, go with my wife and kids someday. Yeah. And then, yes, if I could take my parents, but my parents are getting older now. And so yeah. I don't know if they would travel that far. The last time I think they've traveled that far was to Australia and it was... Uh, not very comfortable. Mm. So at this point, because my parents are so, um, you know, sorry if they're listening, uh, older now that <laughs> they, they we probably are not aging. Like probably wouldn't want to go. So maybe you know how they've done the thing that all humans do yeah. when they uh, get older. So I might, I, you know, maybe I can bring them to K Town or something in, in yeah. LA. You know, but the experience of having my parents there, uh, if they were able to, I would totally, uh, definitely do. I think it would be great to have them there. But again, it, everyone's family dynamics are different, so um, it really depends on how. Um, that is for each person. For me, my parents are very big into traveling, and I've traveled with them many times in the past, and I think they would enjoy it. Um, mm. But I don't think they've actually been to any Asian country. Um, so the furthest we've been is is Hawaii, that direction. And I know they've been to. Uh, um, oh, yeah, they've you've been, been to, to Hawaii Europe. a lot. A lot of Hawaii. And Hawaii Nathan has, loves Hawaii. Nathan, <laughs> Nathan <laughs> loves. He, he winters in Hawaii. Nathan loves Hawaii and bone marrow buffets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, they just haven't been, but I think I think they'd be inter- interested for sure. So. They love Thai food too. <laughs> so. Um, so, interestingly enough, in 2018, my parents and my sister were actually wanting to do a family trip to Korea. This was before I started to do all this stuff, and I was like, eh, maybe I can I can maybe do that. Um, now, after having gone on all of this stuff, and then having actually just went to Korea, um, I would still go with them, but <laughs> I need to go back by myself or if Emily is able to come with me to Ica, like go back again to do that um, before I could go with my parents. Again, I think one is a language thing. Like I want to be able to make sure that <laughs> it's all fine, I guess. I don't know how else to put that because I know my mom is currently listening to this. Um, <laughs> um, just to make sure, yeah, just to, from a translational standpoint, but also so I can relay a little bit more of the history and understanding from me and not necessarily have to go on tours for them to be able to hear all of this and to learn. Um, again, I feel like that's putting the burden on myself to educate, but uh, I do that's think... kind of the dynamic but, of adoption, right? right? But I do feel like, you know, I almost feel protective of it and what how it's shared with them. Um, again, we've had a lot of growth over the last two years, and I think it's going to take still a lot more for us to get to that point of going back together um, in a way that's meaningful and productive and not like harmful for whatever reason. Not that the harm would be intentional by any means, but you know, just that stuff happens. So um, yeah, like again, like, like Nathan said, multiple trips, but I got to go back first. Thank you for those answers. Uh, I mean, it kind of starts to illuminate and actually brings up another question in case somebody else wants to go but form a queue that's fine <laughs> um in any case i like um sounds like you you all had different experiences and different um plans and itineraries when you went um if you could curate your own itinerary and your own set of like people that you would surround yourself with like now now patrick you said you like i need to go by myself i think i need the processes but like yeah, what would be the ideal thing, or, or what would you recommend to others um, who are thinking about going back to Korea? Like, would you go through some of the organizations that are, you know, paying around all these trips, or would you just say, no, save your money, get a solid group of friends, or just yourself to go and uh, proceed it that way? It doesn't need to be 
black and white. It doesn't need to, there's obviously some gray areas, but what would you guys, I think, recommend as good catch-alls um, when thinking My about going to My only thing on the agenda right now is to go find a good bench to sit on. <laughs> That's, you got that bench in your head. Get, find yourself a good bench. He wants the Maybe bench. on Jeju Island. I think it's a really good question. Um, I know that I've been maybe not the friendliest about the, the tour that I went on, but I think one thing that is helpful to when you go back is to have somebody kind of plan some of this stuff or at least the transportation and, and things like that to know that you have a little bit of that settled. Um, I don't necessarily think you have to do that through this particular one, but I know that there is an organization called Me in Korea. I think they're based out of L.A., but they uh, – oh, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I know, I've only heard good things about that tour. And um, – so I would suggest, you know, looking into what is available tour-wise. I think I don't think that's a the worst option, um, but yeah, I think just uh, I think before any before you go or anyone thinking about going, just do a little bit of extra planning, I suppose, and and prepare yourself times to be able to just sit and process. I think yeah. that's a, I think that's another big key on a bench. On a bench. <laughs> In Jeju Island. Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's. Like if you're if it's your first time going, it just depends on what stage of adoptionness you're in and what you're looking for out of a trip. And I think it's true of any transnational adoptee is what are you looking to gain out of that trip? And then can you plan or what do you feel like you're missing in your and I realize like this question in particular, what do you feel like you're missing is like very large and requires quite a bit of self-awareness and quite a bit of research. But like because our stories have so much erasure. Like it was important for me to experience history and culture and things. And so like when I went, we got to see like a very traditional dance and there was like this weird, like acrobatic thing with headbands and drums. I was like, this is super cool. But then like, and I think that was in a palace. I was like, that's cool. And we went to like a Buddhist temple and I drank like from a, you know, like all these kinds of things. It was like really, really cool. Um, but then also I think we, I don't know, I went to, we went on like the riverboat tour and I ate like a pizza with. Uh, sweet potato crust and I was like this is weird you know whatever um, but I so like bits of that tour were important but then also bits that I've experienced like in LA or with other Korean American friends but like when you drink alcohol this is how we drink alcohol or like when you do gogi well first off we call it gogi not like just barbecue but like like little bits of that that like become in social interaction for sure. me were so important to feel more Korean and to get and it did like I said it didn't need to happen in Korea but it was someone from my own ethnic origin whatever sharing that bit you know and so like if you want that if you need that if you feel like you're missing that then bring someone along who knows that or like try to figure out a way to connect that but if you feel like you're missing history then like go and do the history bit or if you just like I don't know BTS is playing and uh, don't want to go see them in their <laughs> own land I'm like great do that you know like it's just I think it like catering it to where you are at the time mm -hmm. is the best way to get what you need. And I think be open to new experiences. I know Stephanie, you shared earlier, you're like, I wasn't really looking to find, to start a birth search, but then like, I was like, I'm going to like open the door. Like personally, I'm like, I'd like to have the door open or, you know, whatever. So I think just being open to letting yourself change, even in the moment, even like when you're there, I think is really important. So. Yeah. I think that framing or that why of why you want to go back is really important. I think, yeah. um, Former guest of the show, Jenna Antonowitz, Mayor Jenna, um, the Honorable Mayor Jenna. We salute the Mayor Jenna. Um, <laughs> we talked about that, and like her framing, what like she went on a tour, but her framing was like to enter reunion, and yeah, and and I was like, that's interesting because that's not at all why I'm going back. Like I don't have any mind of 
doing any searching or anything like that. But to your point, you know, staying open to something that could potentially happen, whether you asked for it to happen or not, um, is is important. But I think kind of nailing down the framework of, of your trip in general and the reason that you're wanting to go back, I think, is important because it'll help you build who do I want to go with? Do, should I go on a tour? Mm. Or should I build in a group of friends or whatever that yeah. goes by? Especially friends that you're comfortable with, that you would travel well with as well. Yeah. I, I've gone on a couple of international trips with a, a friend who I was the first time, and it was actually to Japan. It was not a good experience. <laughs> I hate them now. I no, and, and no, I feel like some of it ruined the the experience. But sure. um, so yeah, be careful on who you bring and invite. And yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, you know. I mean, we all talked about it many years ago or many months ago, and. Uh, Many years ago, we didn't Did we know, know each, each other, other many then? years ago. <laughs> it was it was at the beginning, but we made jokes about in the beginning all going we talked to about Korea this. together. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was sure. been a very long time ago. I don't think it was a joke. It, it would have been like approximately maybe. two years ago. Sure, sure. <laughs> but one of the things that we did say is that we, I think we all agreed that it would be nice if we went alone first. We did say that, or and, like have it to where yeah. we could stagger. There was time right. yeah. with each other and time where we were not going to hang mm-hmm. out with each other, even if we we're there together. Yeah. But I still think that that would be fun if we all went together. So. 2023! 2023! <laughs> Ica! Putting it we'll on the see map. see you there! <laughs> it's on record. All 20s of you. There's, for the listener at home, there's 20s of people here. If you've listened to the previous episode, you understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate, Thank you. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank, Thank you. you. Any other questions? We have time for, like, maybe one more. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, yes. Come on down! I'm tall enough. You could just... You can take the mic off and... It's fine. Can you hear me? This will be good, right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Um, what, uh, I'm Jennifer Patel, former Hello. guest and um, <laughs> resident of the area. Um, you know that you know that SNL skit with the, the alien that comes down and the one chick, the Kate McKinnon, they're all talking about this like beautiful experience with the aliens. And she's like, yeah, no, that was not... That was not my experience. And she, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody watch that? <laughs> Anyways, I do not. As you're talking about everybody else does. So. I was like, I'm just going to nod, though. Uh-huh. Continue. Uh-huh. It's funny. But anyways, as you're talking about your Korea experience, I was, I was Kate McKinnon. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that was not like. But piggybacking off your question, um, you guys have Korean adoptee siblings, non-biological. Um, and I've always been really fascinated with those relationships because my siblings are biological to my parents. Um, have you, and I, and I think what I've heard in general, not always, but is that like um, adoptee siblings kind of never talk about their adoption. Like when they're younger, it's just sort of like a thing that you know, but it's not like a bonding thing at that age because you're not in the apocalypse yet. You know, you're still young. Um, Is it now? Like, are you in a different place with your sisters? Like, would you go with them and be sort of supportive to each other? You're looking at me? Yeah, I know. No, you guys. Okay, yeah. Um, It's it's tough because, again, this would be my my sister's story and what she's shared. I mean, she's been a guest on the show as well. Um, I get it. We've had a lot of guests. (laughs) Well, Patrick's sister's been a guest, too. I was going to say that. My sister's been on the show. I don't know. I haven't had that that deep conversation Mm. with my sister about uh, is she wanting to go back. Um, I I think she likes likes to travel. 
Um, so I do think that that is in the possibility of uh, the future. And if she would like me to go with her, I would go. Um, but if she'd like to go by herself, then that's, that's cool too. Um, we haven't really discussed that as a um, new I don't know, new possibility after all of like the, even the John Chi show and, and Out of Fog and stuff like that. So it's a question that I would like to post to her one of these days, and then she's probably listening. Um, so who knows? Maybe this will start it. Oh uh, yeah, my sister's also been a guest on the show, number ten. <laughs> okay, um, all right. Let's not shame my sister for not being a guest on the show. So yeah, I definitely would go back to my sister. Um, as far as like, do we talk about adoption? It definitely when we were younger, we didn't. We weren't really even very close, even though we're only a year and a half apart in age. We were four years apart in school, uh, where our birthdays fell. So um, you know, we didn't real we. Yeah, I wouldn't even say, like, it was a sibling relationship. We just kind of existed on our own. And after we both had been done with college, we we started to connect a little bit more. Um, apparently, when we hung out in California, I ate kimchi with her. Do not remember that experience, but got called out for it multiple times. Um, and we've started to, but even at that point, like, we weren't, I don't know if we were really self-racializing at all. I definitely wasn't. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about kind of when that journey started for her and yeah, like truly, but um, over the last two and a half years of being on this journey for myself, we have started to have those conversations a little bit more and it has been a bonding thing. Like to be able to, cause she shared stuff that's hap that happened in the town we grew up in that I maybe was tangentially aware of, but was ignorant mm -hmm. of what was going on. And like, I always look back at those times and regret my role as like an older brother because I don't feel like I did what I needed to do to protect her. And I wasn't protecting myself. So obviously I wasn't, you know, equipped to do that for her and provide her f with that. But um, yeah, we've been able to grow closer and like share and especially with our parents, like at the end of the day, we had similar things that went on with them or like different experiences with them, but we had a lot of things that were similar and to be able to bond over that. We both had a really good, strong relationship with our grandparents. So, like, those things helped to kind of bring us together. But then I think as I, especially for myself, going through this, going through the apocalypse, um, it's been able, like, I've been able to just kind of talk at her a little bit. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, is a good listener and, willing and like, willing to engage in that conversation, even when maybe she's, like, I don't really want to talk about this right now. But... <laughs> You know, she's willing to engage me there, and, like, she's, like, hyper-intelligent, so, like, I learn a lot from her, um, and she's able to, like, provide me context, and she's actually one of the people before I left, she's been reading a lot of stuff that I write, um, was just like, hey, I know, like, obviously we have all of these preconceived notions of going back, all of this extra baggage and trauma, and she was one of the people who really encouraged me to, as much as I could, try to have a good time and like go and experience and be and try and be okay. <laughs> Even though it's like, obviously you probably won't be at certain points, but she was somebody who's just unprompted reached out to me and was just like pushing me to, to try and, or not pushing me, but um, sharing that, like asking or like calling me in to be able to show myself grace while I was there, which I really appreciated. And so like that would have never happened when, you know, even when I was, she was like 18 or 21, you know, like it took, myself going on the personal journey and then whatever journey that she's been on to be able to do that and feel very lucky that we can bond. Mm. I love that. I really wish actually uh, my sister was going to come to this cause she's, you know, still in Oklahoma, yeah. not too far That's... away. Uh, just unfortunately this was a weekend that she had other things with her daughter. But um, yeah, she has mentioned that 
but she did come down to the Carrollton area and was looking for Korean restaurants. And so I, you know, recommended a Korean barbecue place, mm-hmm. the one that we were going to tonight. Um, but, Spoilers. Spoiler. But no, I, 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 she's <laughs> looking more into things now, and I, I'm seeing some sparks. And uh, I don't know if that's uh, something that's happening inside her own mind or if it's, you know, us in the show and what, you know, I don't know. Things. Who knows? Got to have some more conversations. Yeah. That's great. And Thank you. That's it. Thank you. Okay. Everybody also go listen the, to Jennifer's shit episode. Yeah. Episode oh, is that what you're going to say? 33. No, I was oh. just going to say for the <laughs> listener at home and also for the people here, my sister is Russian. So that question does not apply to me. It's a little bit different. So I think she was looking at both. No, of us. yeah, yeah. She was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But just, yeah. Um, well, that's it. For the show. So thanks, everyone. Thanks for coming out. And do you have things to say to wrap up? Or? No, I figured we maybe we could do the plugs on this one, but no, we don't have to. No, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, we just... Nah, <laughs> okay, we'll put great. it in the show notes. Check the show notes. <laughs> Perfect. Great. You know where to find us. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for being here. I mean, yes. it's it's a real privilege to be able to do this. Uh, for me, to do it here in, right. in Carrollton. Uh, not Dallas. I don't have to quantify where we are. Oh. In Carrollton. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it means a lot. And uh, and the show has meant a lot to to me, to the three of us. Uh, I feel confident in speaking for for all three of us saying that. So yeah, thanks for coming out and for making the drive. We had a lot of people travel in, which it means the world to me. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for being here and, and, and making it happen and supporting the show. Same. Exactly. We do good in the middle, not at the beginning or the end. Thank you. Let's go eat meat. Go eat meat.